Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, Episode 4. With your hosts, Matt and Kellen. On Fire is a weekly podcast where we discuss financial independence, life hacking, frugality, minimalism, and living within your means. And if you enjoyed this weekly podcast, reviews, 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 we need them. So if you can give us five stars on whatever podcasting platform you're consuming this and just leave us a written review, that'd be fantastic. So in today's episode, we interviewed Peter Klosko, and I thought he brought a really interesting take on financial independence. Yeah, it was really neat seeing Peter come from a different perspective than what we're used to. He's brand new to the FIRE community. So even just a couple years ago, this would have seemed like kind of a pipe dream to him. But he's been exposed through uh, different people in his life to this idea of financial independence retired early. And it's awesome to be following someone that's just at the beginning of their journey. Absolutely. And having Peter as one of the five people I spend the most time with, he's really shown me the value of what it can be like to work hard in a different way than most people I'm usually spending time with. Yeah. And talking about working hard, like I know myself just dabbling with content creation. It's such a fuzzy marker, right? The milestone of success is so much more difficult to measure where through financial independence, we're kind of used to this. You know, you have your safe withdrawal rate or your your monthly spend that you need to cover or the nest egg that you're going to save up. And those are kind of the milestones that we're used to. But with content creation, you're yeah, just like kind how, of putting it out there. How do you know when you made it, right? Peter has been a big inspiration for us regarding the value of legitimizing oneself through content creation. And he was a big piece of the puzzle that lit the fire under asses to start this podcast. So thank you, Peter, for that. Yeah, thanks, Peter. And without further ado, let's uh, just jump into Peter's interview. Welcome to the On Fire podcast, Peter Klosko. Peter went through school to become a natural resource drilling and blasting technician. He then worked in an underground mine in Northern Ontario, Canada, and he began his YouTube journey in 2015, where he's known as the Hungarian Experiment. Peter documents his life and fitness journey while diving into niches like intermittent fasting, optimizing growth hormone levels, oil pulling, stomach vacuums, and experimenting with various physical, mental, sexual, and social factors. Peter currently gets an average of 120,000 views per month on YouTube. And Matt and I met Peter through YouTube, where he knowledge dropped about his strategies and fueled our fire for the value in social media. Likewise, we provided the red pill of financial independence and the freedom it can provide to any lifestyle. Thanks for joining us, Peter. Yeah, oh. thanks, Peter. Of course. Thank you guys so much for having me on this. I'm excited. No, yeah, me too. we're very excited to have you on it. And so I think our first question was just we kind of want to dive into your relationship with money. So previously, we've kind of talked and you've mentioned that all you know your relationship has changed with money over the last few years and we know you plan to discuss this at length on your channel in the new year but we just thought whatever you're willing to share with us let's talk about your relationship with money kind of before and after and maybe what triggered some of those changes yeah definitely so a big reason i actually got i went to school to become a a resource drilling and blasting technician and i went into that kind of whole career opportunity is because i knew that i would get a whole bunch of money fast and I could hop into a career and an industry where I could get a job almost immediately. So my whole kind of idea with going to school when I left high school, I really had no idea what I wanted to do with myself. But I also did not want to just not go to school because I watched a lot of people and once they get into that kind of lifestyle where they don't go to school for a year or two, they just kind of stick with life like they hop into construction Mm -hmm. or something and they just kind of stick with it. So I thought, you know, what's the best kind of schooling I can get that I can immediately get a job, pay back the money from the schooling because I know schooling is such a... A detrimental thing and if you get stuck in OSAP and loans that that can really mess you over for life almost so I didn't want to 
like I was very interested in things like being a lawyer or like something big, but I didn't want to go to school for four years and get stuck in that. So I was, when I first went to school, it was like, how can I just pay back the money, get the money? And it was all about the money. And once I, you know, I finished my schooling, I worked in that underground gold mine for about a year and a half. And I, it was, it was very interesting. I learned a lot about myself. I built a whole lot of skills and knowledge, but I realized in that mine, you know, I was making, I was making at that time about 80 to $90,000 a year with my first year working. Yeah. First year Mm -hmm. working. And Right now, if I stick within that with all the kind of footage bonuses I'd be making, I'd probably be getting around $120,000 a year. But I realized while working in that mind that, you know, money isn't everything there is to life. And I realized that with that job and with that career and even relating it to other kind of jobs and careers that I would wanting to kind of switch and re-gear myself to Mm -hmm. that. do I really care about the money so, so much? Or is it more about like being happy and content with my journey in life? So over the last couple of years here, I I completely quit the mine. I focused heavily on building skills and knowledge. And that got me to find the things that I'm passionate about and led me onto YouTube and led me to meeting you guys. And Mm -hmm. this is helping me build more skills and knowledge in terms of, you know, I, I, I went in for the money, then left because I didn't like the money. But now I realize that, you know, money is important along your journey. So learning from you guys, I see that it's not about just trying to make as much money as you can and spending it and living a lavish lifestyle. It's more about, you know, helping others along your path, being content with your journey and constantly going along that. So, well, yeah, totally. Like Mr. Money Mustache actually talks a lot about happiness um, I think that a lot of us start finding, asking ourselves a lot of questions about what is, what are our passions, what are our dreams? Because especially as you get closer and closer to financial independence, you know, initially your goal is I want to, I want to, you know, get to a point of financial independence so I don't have to work. And then a lot of people get to that point and they go, okay, now what? Yeah. So if you're able to identify the things you're passionate about, <clears throat> it may actually help you in your uh, striving for your goal. You may go, you know, like that is what I'm shooting for. I want to be able to spend more of my time doing that. Yeah. And that's why I'm trying to you know, get to that state. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. So back to the basics, how did you discover fire financial independence? Like when did that kind of term come into your vocabulary? <laughs> well, to be honest, I really knew nothing about this. I thought, you know, money was always like you go to your nine to five job, you make your money and then, you know, you go home and that's when, you enjoy life like it's it's at the times where you're outside of your actual physical work and it wasn't until i was actually at um at the east end summit it's a all these village uh like meet up to uh, help build the community and find out how things were going and i was actually vlogging a little bit of it because the uh the london institute arthur and amir they were hosting this thing and they were like surveying all the people who were at the meetup. And I vlogged real quick. And Matt, you were actually yeah. sitting right behind this me. This is so cool. This yeah. is kind of our origin story. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, I think this is a big thing, too, with London, why I think it's so great. But we'll get maybe on that later. But uh, yeah, I picked up my camera. I vlogged a little bit. And then, Matt, you tapped me on the shoulder. And you're like, what are you doing? And then we exchanged emails. And we met up. And then I started learning about you and your journey with financial independence. And you gave me uh, Jacob Lund Fisker's book, uh, Early Retirement Extreme. Oh, a lot of our listeners are going to know exactly what that's about. You're going to yeah. get some people pretty excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh, honestly, an amazing book. And it, it opened my eyes. A lot of these things about like frugality and how you handle your expenses, I was already heavily 
dealing with, but not in terms of finance finances. It was all mm-hmm. about like health and fitness, you know, removing a lot of the factors that are kind of unnecessary, like taking away protein or eating six to eight small meals. But I didn't realize that a lot of these aspects were very similar to um, financial independence. Uh, like the very beginning of his book, he talks about, you know, all the people who are kind of like slaves and being chained. Mm-hmm. And then you have to break yourself away from that chain. Yes. And I swear that book and you really helped me to break that chain away from realizing like how big of a hold money had on me and in terms of my mentality and how I thought about money. So it completely changed my mind. <laughs> so that's all awesome. you awesome. led me on to everything about fire and financial independence, retiring early. Uh, I always love to hear that. Uh, listeners know that I refer to the Early Retirement Extreme book as my Bible. I'm constantly trying to spread the gospel, so it's always great to have another convert. Um, <laughs> and so I think there was a, a topic you kind of touched upon there that we want to dive into a bit further. So yeah, let's talk about what similarities <laughs> do you see between the communities of financial independence, retire early community, and say the bodybuilding or working out community or the intermittent fasting community? Because there seems to be a lot of overlap there with things like delayed gratification, willpower. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, again, a lot of the aspects I didn't realize were involved with money. So a lot of the stuff, as you kind of said there, delayed gratification, a big thing with, you know, fitness and bodybuilding and working out is that you're not going to see results immediately. You have to trust the process. You have to know and understand how these factors are affecting you to know that long-term it's going to get you those results. So now that I've applied a lot of that stuff in terms of hormonal optimization, fat loss, and muscle growth, and I was doing that for years and years and years, and then I started reading uh, Jacob Lund Fisker's book, I could see how a lot of that directly correlates with financial independence. Yeah, so when it comes to bodybuilding and uh, working out, is that an expensive hobby or does it have to be? In the beginning, I was being told by society it was a very expensive thing and this is kind of my journey what I want to show people along their path and what myself and Eric are doing with Fastletics. We want to show that all this stuff like a lot of society is telling you that you need to be doing this. This is how you need to go about things but until you start experimenting around you start seeing how these things affect you like for instance whey protein. I was being told from the age of 10 to 12 years old when you first opened a bodybuilding magazine that it's all about it's all about getting this way and take this supplement, eat, take these amino acids in between your meals. And I was buying all this stuff. I was buying all this crap and putting it into my body and putting it into my body because that's what people were telling me I yeah. needed to do. And it wasn't until I really kind of experimented with the factors, saw how, you know, what does a week without whey protein and Mm -hmm. only, and in keeping all my other life factors exactly the same that I started to realize, you know, this stuff is really making me like bloated in the morning. It's really making me feel crappy and lethargic 20 minutes to half an hour after I ate it. But it wasn't until I, I saw that and saw how, you know, taking it step by step and experimenting with it really did nothing to help me along my journey. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting because I think we stumble upon those sort of preconceived notions in any community or any activity. Right. And a lot of people just have a default assumption that it has to be expensive. If if you want results, you have to pay a lot of money in order to get those results. Mm -hmm. And so to hear that that's not the case in bodybuilding or working out is great to hear Mm -hmm. because that's definitely, I think, something a lot of people struggle with, right? A lot of people have hobbies, and they just assume that those hobbies inherently have to cost money or have to be expensive. 
I think like, yeah, like a couple of my hobbies, photography, camping and backpacking, those can both be extremely expensive. Oh yeah. You can go and buy the thousand dollar camera lens. You can go buy that ultralight backpacking gear, but you don't need to do that in order to have fun backpacking. And you don't need to do that in order to be good at photography or videography. Mm -hmm. You can totally get into these hobbies in, in a frugal way. Yeah. And it's the same thing with bodybuilding. Like I see some people, they get into the gym for a month and then the next month they got all the gear. They got gloves, they got wraps, they got straps, they're taking pre-workout and way right after. And it's like, th those may slightly help you upon your journey, but it's it's about developing the skills and knowledge and knowing how your, your lifts are affecting you. Knowing So same thing with the photography. If you know how to use your camera, you don't need a one like the most expensive lens or the most expensive camera. So same thing I think is with everything in life and yeah. society with all these different businesses that are really geared on buy my stuff, buy yes. this, and they market very well and they hit your insecurities. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing with it. A lot of us in society are very insecure. I know I was very yeah. insecure about money and we think that, oh, if I buy that, that's going to help me in the gym or help me in photography exactly. or help me with camping. Whereas it's all about developing the skills and knowledge and finding what you're passionate about. Yeah. And way. I think honestly, if you have a strong foundation, like I, I completely agree with you that a lot of the money that people spend is just like the minutia, just the tweaks. Mm -hmm. And then like, if you want the vast majority of the results, kind of that 80, 20 principle, right? You don't have to do a ton of spending. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Well, I think results. for any hobby, people end up sitting on their laptop late at night, reading everything about it and learning learning about all the value that this product may bring to them. But, you know, if you're into bodybuilding, go to the gym. If you're into running, mm -hmm. run. If you're into photography, go take pictures. Yeah. Hiking, go hiking. Like, you don't need to buy all this gear. Mm -hmm. Just go do your hobby. And I think that applies to all hobbies. And then once you've, like, you've leveled up and you're at the tip of being, like, once you're a great runner, then you can go buy those shoes that are going to make you that little bit faster. Yes. Same with the photography, same with bodybuilding, same thing. I believe with everything yeah. in life is develop the skills and knowledge first. And then you can, you can really see what you need or what you want and how that's going to excel you upon your journey in life. 100% agree. And so maybe just <clears throat> switching gears a little bit here, but we know that you're someone that recently discovered kind of the financial independence community. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of want to talk about what were your thoughts when you attended your first uh, London on fire meetup? So that would have been, you know, probably close to a year ago, maybe just under a year ago. But what were your thoughts initially coming in? Because you were really new to financial independence at that point. You probably hadn't even read the book um, when you first showed up to the very first meeting. So, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was definitely a little overwhelming. You you kind of know that a lot of people in this room are either successfully financially independent or retiring early. Like I'm sitting here on the couch with some guys who could just retire right now if they wanted. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not in the best financial situation. So I, I, I learned a lot, but I was also quite nervous. But once I got into the group and I, I had a couple visits, it's such a great community. Everyone's so open. They just want to talk and everyone wants to help each other with their journey. So the first initial time I was very nervous. I was very concerned, but the more I kept going, the more I was just learning more and, and feeding off other people's energy, you know, being on the Weibo limo tour. Like I don't know anything about buying <laughs> houses, but seeing and just listening to other people is helping me to level up without even having to, you know, physically be in that and spending money or being involved. So I learned a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> I think you had a really interesting introduction to financial independence because a lot of people are, they're introduced to it on the internet they read a blog on it somewhere and they, and they discover the passion on their own. But 
they can't find anyone else in their actual like close circle of friends that are into this. You had the exact opposite experience. Yeah. You joined into a circle of people that were passionate about this. So when when you entered that, did it did it look like a bunch of crazy like did it look like we were a cult or were you like were you interested in what was going on? Like what was your initial thought when you came across all these people that were like, Yeah, I'm gonna retire in my twenties and thirties? Well, it wasn't like uh it didn't feel culty to me. I for, for me, I've, uh, I'm not big on the network groups, but I have been starting to go out to them more. So I like, I visited the uh, millennial network group a few times. And then I started to get into your guys, financial mm-hmm. independence, uh, network group, the LDN on fire. And I was always wary about going to network groups. Cause it's always like, hello, how are you? Like sit down, let's talk about business only. But these were a lot more like, let's just talk about life and who you are and about what you're doing. So in terms of, uh, it was culty. Yeah. It wasn't culty <laughs> at all because everyone was kind of like, Hey, what's up? Like, let's talk. And it's not like, I didn't feel like I was being sold on something, if that yeah. makes sense. And like, that's what I feel a lot of these, these were normal were. people. Exactly. Like just normal people that had slightly tweaked their priorities or value set, I think. And I have to say, I love the fact that you guys like are hosting it at different events, like poachers arms. You like, you go and have a beer and you sit down and you chill or you're in the, uh, you guys have done it a few times at Victoria park. So yeah. you just go out and you're, you're, chilling you're chilling and hanging out in a park it's just i i believe it's the setting and the atmosphere combined with what you guys are doing it just it makes it kind of relaxed and you feel very invited yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah. appreciate that's that peter and so one thing we love to talk about with our guests is how do you determine if you can afford something how do you determine if something's worth buying you know what's your kind of value proposition how do you approach uh, determining if you're going to buy something so when I started working in that mine and I started getting a whole bunch of money, my lifestyle greatly uh, got more expensive, I guess you could say. Yeah. Because I had so much m- more money, I was spending a lot differently. Yeah. So, so lifestyle inflation is yeah. something you hear about all the time in mm-hmm. the early retirement. Something community. that a lot of us are really trying to fight because people, yeah, they start making more money and they start spending more money. We try and argue for, you know, if you start making more money, increase your savings rate, yeah. right? Start saving more money. See, if I would have known that kind of stuff when I was in that mind, I bet I like I could be financially independent right now. But I believe this is all kind of part of my journey and learning. Totally. So just how do you determine if you can afford something or how yeah. to buy? So you're kind of walking us through in the past, you were very kind of a spendthrift, right? Yeah. You, you made money, you spent it. Mm-hmm. So as like once I did leave that mind and I started kind of growing and figuring out myself and my journey, I started figuring out what I was most passionate about. And that's once I started realizing like I was getting passionate about videos and YouTube and all this kind of stuff, I spent very little money. If it's something that I'm not passionate about, I just, if it's unnecessary to me, I just don't buy it. I even kind of said in, uh, we have like a little mastermind group, a bunch of us here, and we exchange book ideas and stuff. And one of my big things is that like, you can't sell anything to me, like try it. I just, if it's unnecessary and I don't need it, like you're not going to change my mind on it. So for me, if I don't absolutely 100% need it, I try not to buy it. Now, in terms of food, that's where I look at things a little differently. So I'm always trying to optimize my hormone levels. So I look at food a little different than how I look at products and services and things that I kind of don't unnecessarily need. So I do spend a little bit more on, on food. And like the more healthier kind of like free range grass fed foods. 
but that's the only kind of place that I will justify spending a little bit more money. It's in terms of health and fitness. So if I think something is going to help my overall life longevity, so if I think, you know, buying these free range chickens over buying the caged, uh, you know, stressed out chickens for their whole life, and I think that's going to help me boost my hormones and hopefully let me live an extra five to 10 years, then that's something I'm going to go about with. Same thing with like vitamin D. Uh, I will pay for and buy vitamin D supplements because, you know, we as Canadians here in the wintertime, we're just not getting enough uh, vitamin D supplementation into our body. So if I think something is absolutely necessary and is going to help me excel upon my path, then I will buy and purchase that. But if it's not, then I'm very frugal with things. Like I don't spend much at all to be lately, <laughs> that's for sure. It sounds like a lot of conscious consumption, which is what we're always advocating for. If you're buying something, make sure that it's bringing value to your life or you know, at least leading to, you to a place where you can have more happiness. So what about if money was no object? How would your life look? Would, what would you spend your time on? What kind of projects would you consider taking on? Well, I'm not going to lie. Like I've discussed this several times on my YouTube channel about happiness. And I think we use words in the society wrong. So I think trying to justify and say we're happy all the time is a very wrong thing. Because if you look at the definition of happiness, it is uh, a state of emotional well-being that is constantly filtering through you. So I like to say that I'm content with life. I'm content with my journey because, you know, with the projects that we're doing right now, the Hungarian experiment, your guys' projects, the social lab, all this kind of stuff, there's so many highs and lows that come with it. And, you know, like yesterday I had a really big low. Like today I'm on a really big high sitting here with you guys. And the day before, like, uh, like right now with the social lab, we got Justin Smith, J painting design here in London. He's a local artist. We just put up his artwork uh, right on a huge main street here in London. So hundreds to possibly thousands of people are going to see this guy's artwork. And, you know, I was walking to work the other day and I'm like, why do I have this like pep in my step? Like, why am I walking around and feel really good? And then I realized like, yo, like we're going to help this kid get so much more, you know, positivity and more engagement and traction on his passions. So for me, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to help other people find what they're most passionate about. When I was up in that mine, I was listening to a lot of uh, Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. And he had this guy, Robert Greene, on it. And Robert Greene has written books like The 48 Laws of Power. But one of his more popular books that, oh, I think 48 Laws of Power is more popular, but I love his book, Mastery. And he talks about Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Edison, and all these amazing great minds from the past and how they accomplish these things where, you know, generations to decades later, we're still hearing their names rung through society. And I believe, and what he tries to prove in this book is that they found their life task. And that's why they've accomplished something so big. So I feel I'm still stumbling upon my life task but I found the things that I'm passionate about and I'm always discovering the things that I'm passionate about. And that's the stuff that is making me content. And now I'm feeling happy upon my journey is because I'm constantly involved in the things that I'm most passionate about day to day. And I believe that all came from developing skills and developing knowledge. So if I can help other people in this city and all over the world find their passions, by developing skills and knowledge in whatever way they can. And I believe a lot of that I've already done and I'm still continuing to do on my YouTube channel. 
then that's what I want to do. I want to help people like discover their passion and get upon their life tasks. Cause the more we get upon our life tasks, the more things we start realizing stuff like this, like frugality in both health, fitness and financial independence. Like if you're upon your life task and you, and you're, you're constantly involved in your passions, you're questioning like going out to the bars every night and just spending money on silly, unnecessary yeah. things yeah. like helping Justin Smith get his artwork up there. I could have been doing some stupid shit, just hanging out with the bros, drinking and smoking. Whereas like, I'm really helping people. And honestly, like that's, if I had unlimited money, like I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's awesome. That's but just true. 10 times better, you know? So, so I, yeah. I think that's actually a great segue into my next question, which was going to be, you know, the holiday season's approaching kind of, uh, I've talked about it a little bit on my YouTube channel, but there's, you know, this kind of arms race a lot of time with gift giving. Yeah. So any tips for our audience on maybe ways to approach the holiday season more frugally or just any thoughts or suggestions in general on how you approach the holiday season? One thing that I would have to say is don't let other people's view on holidays affect what you think it's important about. I discussed this in our Fastletics uh, private group that we have because someone said, you know, uh, American Thanksgiving's coming up for them. And they're like, so what are you guys doing? Like, I know my family gets these big things going. Like, should I get, should I involve myself with that? Like, what should I do around this holiday season? And I said to him, do what you think is important to you right now. Don't let your family pressure you into eating the foods that you think you should be eating or buying the things that you think you should be buying because ultimately it's all societal's perception on what we need to be doing during these holidays. And it's getting more and more crazy every single year. Like I remember growing up, you just got a few gifts and then now watching it's like, you need 20, 30, you got to be constantly giving. There's even like days, you got to be giving the days before Christmas. And it's like, it's just getting way, like way out of hand, Black Friday, like just all this kind of stuff. So all, if I could give one little thing out there is don't let other people pressure you into your view on how you should handle these holidays. If you think, I've heard, I think on your podcast or just on on the uh, London on Fire Facebook group, how people are doing just a, let's gather and only give one present or like do a Santa swap or the secret Santa swap and all those kind of things. Do what you think is important. Like you don't have to go off other people's perceptions on how to handle these holidays. That's That's perfect. So um, what about when it comes to your, uh, your spending and keeping track of your finances? Do you, do you track your net worth? Do you set monthly budgets? Do you track your spending in some way? Is there some way that you're keeping track of those things at this point or? To be honest, right now, I am currently in the process of working on that. I have mentioned on my YouTube channel that I am in kind of a financial situation and I am going to be discussing this in the upcoming months here on my channel. But uh, reading Jacob Lundfisker's book on early retirement extreme, it has made me a lot more cognizant on what I'm doing, how I'm spending and how I'm going about it. So right now I'm in the process of uh, creating those kind of spreadsheets, working with my girlfriend to be uh, overall thinking about how we are spending and what what we value and what we're spending money on. So I am working on this a lot more and you guys have definitely helped me to realize and see like what 
why I'm, why I am doing this, how I'm going about it, and even like spreadsheets and way to track all of this kind of stuff. So, I mean, you're you're probably likely tracking your macronutrients, yeah. and all that kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. it's, it's probably not a whole lot different. In fact, no. it could be a lot easier because there's systems that automate it. You know, based on what you're spending on your debit and credit card, like you know, keeping track of your expenses. One of the most powerful things you can do when it comes to uh, reaching financial independence. Yeah, absolutely. And so you kind of hinted about it there, but we were going to ask you, you know, have you discussed your finances and kind of your financial future with your girlfriend? Would you mind diving into that a little bit more? Because I know it's a subject matter that is difficult for a lot of young couples, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So I, um, I think this is something that's very important. This is something I've, I've already discussed in a video, but it will be coming out sometime in the new year is that I think it is very important to if you want to spend your life with someone to discuss everything with them like I see a lot of people they put on like a show like they put on a charade when they go to get involved like let's go on a date and they're constantly like telling lies and it's like I don't understand where you want this relationship to go mm -hmm. is it only for that quick little thing or are you hoping to meet someone for the rest of your life so within the first month or so of meeting my girlfriend the beautiful one hey how's it going uh she's probably listening to this right now but i uh i made sure to tell her everything right from the start and i think that's why we have been so close or i have like things have lasted between the two of us because she didn't realize halfway through that i was playing her or i was lying to her throughout yeah. the whole thing that i was open and honest right from the start i told her i do tell her about the things that i am passionate about and I think that's things that we, we tend to hide from our loved ones. We tend to hide from our family because, again, I think we're, we're taught to be very insecure about things in this yeah. society. So we're almost more like for me, it was I started expressing myself on the Internet first. And that's how I started opening up. And I realized, you know, I can't just only do this on the Internet. I got to start taking this to the people I care most about. And once I did take that to, you know, I, I did it with my old girlfriend. And I think that's why we we did separate is because I realized that, wow, I'm doing this kind of wrong. I need to be more open with this person. And when I did, they saw what was wrong, you know? I and find that so funny that it was like the exact opposite of what most people would do because not, not a lot of people would share it openly with the world, <laughs> these things. And then like, Oh, this should, this should apply to my close relationships. A lot of times, like I've, I've struggled myself with sharing things openly publicly on social media and that kind of thing. So it's, it's a very interesting, uh, like th this whole podcast is taking things from a very different angle um, in terms of finances and in terms of your approach on these things. It's very interesting. I've, I've always been a lot more open. Like for me, I, I want to find my career or outlet or whatever it is with the internet. I've always been fascinated and interested with the internet. I haven't been on this, how can I make money on the internet? But where where's my thing? Where's my niche on the internet? Because I love this thing. And I think... This is going to be the, this is the future and we're just in yeah. the infancy of like the online world. So I'm super excited to see where this all goes and to be part of it. <laughs> on, on that note, you're talking about the idea of being profitable on the internet. I mean, how about YouTube? Has it been profitable for you? Yeah. So as you kind of mentioned there in the beginning, I, I've been on YouTube. It's going to be about three years now at the end of uh, 2017 here. And right now, I'm, it's almost paying my rent. So I make around 350 to 400 bucks on the internet every month, all just from YouTube. And now I'm trying to 
gear that into other ways that I can make money along with that. So very soon I'm going to be starting up a Patreon account. So if people are interested in my journey, they can donate. I have also started up a GoFundMe because I started a whole growth hormone testing journey where people can donate and help me get upon this journey where I weekly uh, document my growth hormone levels. So I've had about $1,300 donated to that. I did about six to seven other growth hormone tests. And then along with that, I'm currently working on a whole situational intermittent fasting course with my uh, brother Eric there for Fastletics and a couple stomach vacuum courses. So I really want to see the potential of the internet right now, just documenting my life and putting it out there for the world is almost paying for my rent. So if I can help more people along their path uh, in a faster way, so taking all those videos and putting it in kind of an, an orientated way that they can level up a whole lot faster. Let's see how that goes. But so awesome. always trying to experiment and test things out. Cool. I like that. Um, shirts too. <laughs> oh yeah. I haven't actually seen you plug those shirts yeah. in a long time either. I came out with shirts a, a while ago. I'm coming back with them in the new year. So if you guys are interested in uh, Hungarian, Hungarian experiment, uh, swag. yeah, we got some coming for you world. Cool. Um, so talking about consumables, uh, What's a guilty pleasure of yours? What What's an area where money really doesn't matter, where you're going to spend whatever? So previously, we had Michael Rosehart on, and he talked about how Haagen-Dazs ice cream, that's his guilty pleasure. That's his pleasure. indulgence. Yeah. And for him, that's quite the indulgence, because he's very frugal-oriented. <laughs> oh, he is. <laughs> <laughs> but so for yourself, what's, a, what's an indulgence? What's a guilty pleasure? Well, I wouldn't say... Uh... I guess there's two things here, we'll say. <laughs> One is I kind of how I mentioned there with food earlier. So yeah. I will always kind of consider food as more of an important thing that I'm willing to spend money on. So if I see, you know, a healthier style of food, I'm going to go that way. Same thing with like if I have an, a cheat day coming up, like I'm going to have an epic cheat day. So, uh, but along with that too, with my intermittent fasting and kind of fasting lifestyle is that you can kind of take your cheat days and not spend so much on it. So only go to one place and really binge out on at like 168 sushi or at a buffet. So for me, it's money. And then along with that, I'm not going to lie. I, I love the ganja. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm a regular weed smoker and I believe it's been helping me excel upon my journey because it really helps to take you out of your mental perspective. So it's not that I indulge and spend a ton of money on it, but it's something that it's, it's unnecessary. I don't need to do it, but I enjoy, enjoy it. it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's something that I enjoy getting out of my perspective on a daily basis. I believe people do that in many other ways. I believe we have these um, animalistic instincts within us, you know, food, mm-hmm. sleep, sex, competition. These are all things that... Um, fuel us as human beings and that's why a lot of people are doing things in their life for me i don't really care so much i i feel i I tend to i i see how society plays on our animalistic instincts and makes us buy or purchase things based off of those yes so for me i've always been like how can i just look at the world differently and when i first started getting into this stuff like you know a lot of people were heavy into drinking and it's extra calories, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I want to have a drink at night or get out of my perspective, but then that messes up my fasting window. So I was like, <laughs> ah, maybe I'll just smoke and smoke a joint or, or rip the bong. And that's yeah. honestly, I can, 
I'll be editing a video, I'll go hit the bong, and then an hour later it's like I have a completely different outlook on my video or the script that I'm writing or even preparing for this podcast. You know, I was thinking about it throughout the whole day and then I go home and I hit I hit the bong and now it's like, oh, you know, maybe I want to say that thing a little differently or mention this thing. So, yeah, that's it for me. That's cool. <laughs> So uh, we have another re- reoccurring segment here called Just the Tip. So uh, is there a tip that you'd like to share with the On Fire audience related to maybe f- your finances, your spending, frugality, anything like that? Yeah, so very similar. So uh, like cheat days and eating food. If you guys are following along my journey, I'm all about kind of intermittent fasting, how to uh, take advantage and optimize your hormones through your typical day-to-day life factors. And one of those is intermittent fasting. So I know this isn't a lot about financial independence, but if you guys want to learn how to get lean and put on some muscle, you definitely got to follow along my journey because I can really help you with that. But one thing that I've noticed is that I can eat in a caloric deficit. So I can get less calories in day to day and still put on muscle, which is almost the kind of opposite of what we're told when, you, when you're when you a bodybuilder. It's, you got to bulk, bro. You got to bulk to put on muscle. So I heavily experimented with eating in this slight caloric deficit for about four to seven days and then really throwing it off with a cheat day. So having a big day where you kind of go out and munch out. And I think this is very similar to how our ancient ancestors lived and how they ate because they would, they would eat and eat what they could gather. But after a big hunt, it would be like a huge cheat day because they'd have to eat all that meat and get all that food in within a couple of days. So one thing that I like to say is that if you are on this intermittent fasting kind of style of eating is that when you go to have these cheat days, you don't need to go like if you're eating within a very small window, you can go to one place and binge and gorge out, like go to buffet, go to sushi and you can get all your calories for your cheat day in, in that one meal rather than spreading it out for three to four like restaurants or businesses throughout the day. And even not on your cheat days, but intermittent fasting in general, when you only have to eat for such a short window, you don't spend so much time, effort, and money on on yeah. food throughout the day. So if I have one tip, it's intermittent fasting. <laughs> Stop fucking eating so much, guys. Put it all into one small window. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. I like that. Uh, and that's definitely one of the reasons that I kind of was drawn towards intermittent fasting was just the time-saving aspect of it, to be honest. Um But so before we wrap things up, Peter, uh, we'd like to have each guest just kind of ask our audience a question. And so it can, this is really your opportunity, your platform to ask them anything. And so just while you're kind of thinking about that audience, uh, we'd love to hear your answers to Peter and all our previous guest questions. And the best way for you to let us know your answers is to join the London on Fire Facebook group. So you can find us there on Facebook. We also do have a meetup group if you don't have Facebook. And if you don't have either of those social platforms, Send us a DM on Instagram. So, Peter, uh, any question you'd like to ask our audience? It can be finance, frugal, non-frugal related, non-finance related. Just throw it out there. Yeah, for sure. So, where do you guys draw the line between um, creating or making money and health and fitness? Because I know those lines greatly cross each other. Like, if you are focusing on making money during the day, you're going to have to cut certain factors out in terms of getting fit or staying healthy and same, like if you're going to be frugal, you might take it, like get that cheaper chicken. I'm just throwing out some examples there. So where do you as a person draw that line between this may affect my health, but it's going to save me some cash along the side. 
Cause that's the biggest thing for me. I think we're almost kind of opposite on those kind of ends. So, yeah, yeah, no, I know when I had like really busy days when I was running around, I'd go to work all day and then right after work, I'd have to go renovate a property. My, one of my tips was I would keep a big thing of mixed nuts in the car. It was like just a good way to kind of try and stay healthy, eat like relatively healthy whole foods while I'm like working my ass off 24 hours a day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see the, the challenge in like maintaining your health while like, you know, working on the grind, all the side hustles toward uh, financial independence. So on that note, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me everywhere, world. I'm on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Go hit up all of that stuff. I'm everywhere. Hungarian Experiment. Yeah, you can find me everywhere. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Thanks so much, Peter, for joining the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks uh, a ton, Peter. Of course. Very Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. That was a really good interview. It was great to hear a different perspective on financial independence, especially from someone who's just beginning their journey. If you guys know anyone who can take a different angle on financial independence, feel free to reach out to us. Our contact information is on our website. And that website can be found on the World Wide Web, onfirepodcast.ca. As well, you can find our London on Fire Facebook group where people are constantly discussing uh, what's going on in their financial journeys. And make sure to tune in next week for another awesome On Fire podcast. Thanks for listening. This is Matt. And Kellen, signing off. And until the next episode, remember, being normal. Buying stuff doesn't make you happy. And always remember what Steve Martin said. I love money. I love everything about it. I bought some pretty good stuff. Got a $300 pair of socks. Got a fur sink. An electric dog polisher. A gasoline-powered turtleneck sweater. And of course, I bought some dumb stuff too. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode three. Episode four. <laughs> Got a first sink. <laughs> <laughs> right? First sink is such a weird. <laughs> right.